c'est 23. I'm gonna stop doing that, man. I'm gonna stop uh, singing the song as we're ending. It's just like, I love the song, man. It's like, it sticks in my mind. And, uh, anyways, um, hey guys, how you guys doing? Uh, my name is Max Martin, co host of the uh, Game Over podcast with my good friends Eric Gagne, better known as Gags or Cy Young Winner, whatever, you know. What kind of day? Is, I don't know, but depending on what kind of day is, you know, if I, if I, if I feel like he's in a shitty mood, I'll go A Cy, and then he smiles, <laughs> and I like that. How you doing, buddy? That point right here again. Yeah, I know. We didn't do it on the French podcast. I'm going, man. I'm just like, man, what a show we're going to have. And I'm, I'm, so, I'm so thrilled to have this, uh, our, our, our guest, um, Brian, Brian Ruby, who uh, actually came out as gay a couple of years ago and the influence and the impact that he has. And, and just, man, every time I read an article about what's going on, it's, it's just amazing. It gives you faith in humanity. After all, you know, so, uh, but before we get to him, you and I have a couple of things to talk about. First of all, you're in Phoenix while I'm in Montreal. So have you stepped outside at all in the last week or do you have to like, you know, just, uh, are you, are you guys digging tunnels? <laughs> we only go out at night and then we wake up early in the morning to take our walk and then we go back hibernation inside in the air conditioning and take all that air conditioning, yeah. all that electricity and oh, it's hot. It's hot, but it's, you know, it's two months a year that we have to deal with. It's beautiful blue skies and. Can't complain. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, I I'm could complain, but uh, no, no, today. it's okay. Good, it's good day today. Because every time we talk, whenever we have a meeting, and then whenever we just you know hang out and chat and stuff, and I was always kid you about like you know climate change, and I can't believe you're still a climate change. Well, not denier, but I was going, nah, it's not climate change. It's just you know, you, you got to spend more time with vegans in Flagstaff in Northern <laughs> Arizona. Democratic vegan and and flax stuff, just just for lunch. That's all I'm saying. Just have lunch with a bunch of uh, of, of, of nice. All I know is it's really hot right now. It's really hot and it's record breaking yeah. hot. And so. get used to it because uh, it's not going to get any better. Anyway, it's a baseball podcast. I'm sorry, I didn't I didn't want to throw the the, the political angle. I don't want to go there and stuff. And uh, on on my personal side, I got, I got to confess something to you. Uh, I don't know if I made a mistake, and uh, when, once we get to Brian, I'm going to ask him for, for his advice, too, but uh, I made out with my neighbor. Is that something? That's... Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, she lives. Well, I'm so happy for you. Make sure you... No, <laughs> but no, because it's, it, I'm thinking... Neighbor, just... neighbor, like right there? Well, we're on the same floor. I live, I live in this... I, I've, got, I've got a condo in old Montreal. Every floor has got about 15 apartments, and it's about six floors mm -hmm. high. She lives at the other end of the of the hallway. We talked a couple of times. We had uh, we had dinner. I just love talking to her. We talked for hours, and then we just made out. Well, you better be careful, yeah. buddy. You better be careful. She doesn't live very far. Make sure she don't make you mad. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I'm so, no, I'm such a I'm, and I'm so bad with relationship. I keep fucking up everything. So yeah. I, I don't want to move. I don't want to move. <laughs> does she like dogs though? Does yes, she, she loves does. animals? Yes. Go. Yeah, she's That's got good. a cat, and Aura loves her cat and stuff, and just. Uh, you oh, know. we got a cat lover. Wow. Yeah. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Really? <laughs> I, I don't know. You're, you're a dog guy, right? 
I'm both actually, but I'm just right now I'm in the dog phase. You know, I've had my cat phase, now I'm in the dog phase and stuff, and just uh, yeah, who knows next? Maybe it'll be next. I'll be. I'll have a horse downtown Montreal, and I'll be. Uh, yeah. Hey, let's talk some baseball because that's what that's what we're all about. Uh, we ended up the uh, we ended up the um, the French uh, podcast. For those who don't know, because we do a live podcast ahead of the English podcast, and uh, we were closing in on. Uh, we finished. Actually, we closed on the trading deadline. Who's going to be buyers and sellers? And I just went off on the Yankees. Because it's easy, man. And I, I, want to re- I want to repeat what I said. It's like, I would just clean house, man. I mean, from the second floor up. I mean, honestly, I mean, it, uh, how can you spend so much money and have no results? I can make so many mistakes. How can you be, you know, and it, it's funny. because you're, you're just a Yankee hater, don't you? No, I am not. I love that team, man, especially during the oh Derek Jean. What? Like, hopefully there's someone that listens our French podcast that can actually really go back in this. You said that you're happy that they're doing bad. Right now, That's because they're, yeah, cause they're trying to buy baseball. You're a, Yankee <laughs> you're a Yankee hater. That's okay. No. I mean, first of all, they were my favorite team when I was a kid because the coach was Billy Martin, and my name is, last name is Martin. But when you're seven years old, you know, you got to cling <laughs> on to anything. So for a long time, they were like my favorite, the, the old Mattingly era. You know, and then once once Time Brown got in, kept firing everybody and just like you know trading everybody, it just ah, it pissed me off. I moved on, uh, and then uh, you know, and, and how can you like how can you not love the Yankees when Derek Jeter was playing for them, and then A Rod came on, so that kind of confronted me, you know, as to like you know, and uh, yeah, but right now what I'm saying is like. I want yeah. to see what they're going to do at the deadline because, first of all, you've got well, nothing. You've got no prospects to give. They got oh. nothing. They keep gutting their minor league rosters year after year, and nobody's going to take those big contracts up there. So what do you see? So your science is there's nothing to do. There's no more. They're not going to spend that much more money. They can't trade away anything. So you're saying that Boone's going to lose his job? Oh, for sure. Really? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Really, man? I mean, I hope not. I like Booney. He's a good friend of mine. He lives right ne- right next door. So I don't hope he doesn't. He's a good dude. He's a good baseball guy. But the way they're playing right now, the way they're just not out just the whole year, they're 53 and 47 now. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, the whole division is kicking ass. But, I mean, you're not going to overtake, you know. I, hopefully. You know, I don't know about that. Like, they're only eight and a half back, okay. The Baltimore Orioles, they're not going to be spending a lot at the deadline. They're going to. They don't have to. Back. They're winning. I know they're winning, but trust me, it's baseball. You're going on a bad week, and they go on a good week. That changes. You can be within two or three games in a week, in, in seven, eight days. So it's like, to me, I wouldn't sleep on the Yankees. They're going to add. We know they're going to add. They're not going to start unloading. There's no way they're going to. Of course not. They you know, should, they're, but they're they not. Can, they don't need to. They don't. They don't have to. That's the beauty of having that much money, which is a little bit unfair. I feel like. Because you got Baltimore, have done their homework. They've done everything they had to do. They got the prospects. They got the great, the great young kids are up there right now. They still. Uh, you said you know that you know you know minor leagues more than I do. So you know they got a lot of guys at the bottom, coming up. But I think it's it'll be kind of cool to see like the Baltimore Orioles keep it going, just spend some yeah. money a little bit, but smart. They got to be smart. They can't just go after it because they know it's a long run. But I don't think they will. I think they're going to be smart about it. They're going to get some veterans that can actually complement the young kids. Give me, you know, maybe like playoff experience guys. What about like a guy like Strowman? Do you think he would fit good in there? Where in Baltimore or in, 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 in New York? Baltimore. Forget New York. I'm, I'm talking about your team right now. Yeah, thank you. And um, just to put it like, you know, here's a good example that sums up the whole conversation. You know, the only Yankee worth, you know, signing up, signing up to a long contract, uh, it was Aaron Judge. I mean, that Stanton contract looks like the biggest joke ever. We stopped dishing, you know. He was already hitting 246 when he signed him. Anyway, 
But as opposed to the Baltimore Orioles, who right now could I would sign seven guys before I would I would buy right away their 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 their, their years before they become free uh, eligible for uh, for um, not yeah. for agency but for. Um, Help me out. Thank yeah. you, arbitration. So, uh, so, so, look. If with the budget the Yankees have, you don't have as many prospects and good players on the field as that team that was like at the bottom for for forever. And you, honestly, I mean, the Orioles are just like they're just they're just sexy to watch, man. And you know, I mean, Jackson Holiday is like you know, that one of the top five uh, prospect in the game right now. If I, I would say number two. You played against his dad, right? Yep, played against his daddy. He was Matt. in Colorado. Yeah. Stud. Stud. <laughs> was he? Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, scary amount of... Scary <laughs> you can, you can see motherfucker. It's a podcast. You can... I, I, uh, I gotta well, be... I gotta... Like, you do that. I'm trying to, like, watch my language. I'm trying yeah. to be, like, brand, stay on brand, all that bullshit. <laughs> and they'll be the guy who's ruining it for all the bunch of us. You want to kick in with some other teams right now as, as buyers? Yeah, okay, so let's go down the list. Like, the Dodgers. What do you think they're going to do? How do you think they're going to buy or sell? Well, to me, once again, to me, the Dodgers are a perfect example of a balanced team. Huge budget, we all know that, but also makes room for uh, for minor leaguers. Uh, I think what screwed up the plans for the Dodgers is like uh, guys like Vargas and Altman aren't you know uh, putting up the same numbers as they did last year. So is there going to be pressure to get like a, you know an extra outfielder? Doesn't doesn't have to be like a major starter, but at least you know, someone can be like in, you know a regular strong fourth outfielder. Uh, do, do you bring uh, infield help? Uh, but we all know, I'm, you know. I'm, I got a name. I got a name for you, Abraham, Abraham Toro. Go to the go to the Dodgers. Oh be man, I'd love that, man. Yeah, Honestly, that would be cool. God, I yeah. That would be, be really cool. I'd love to see that. Like, because yeah. I think he would fit in that place really good. He could play every day. All the position, all the young guys are not performing right now with injuries. Yep, that'd be kind of cool. I'd love to see that. And months he's hitting right, like one eighty-eight. So, but uh, what, what, is, what do you think the Dodgers need? Starting pitching. I've always wanted to ask you that. Starting pitching and relievers. That's it. I think that's all you're going to look at. And maybe a you know utility guy, like a guy like Toro, a guy that can play multiple positions that's going to be given flexibility because the yeah. Dodgers are all about flexibility. And I think that's what's going to be bullpen, maybe a starter, you know, a guy like Lance Lynn or Stroman or whatever. I don't think Stroman's going to be in the plan because I think he's going to cost too much. But yeah. I think a guy like a veteran reliever, like a guy like Joe Kelly, a guy that goes back there, they know him. He fits well. Joe Kelly goes back in. I didn't think really, really. I didn't think he, that. That's not one name. I think you would have thrown. Because you know what? It's the only one I know. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only one I had on my no, list. Don't, right don't, here. don't say that. Fuck. Man, we, okay. You, you think we're gonna lose credibility? Credibility? Because I said motherfucker. And that, yeah. And that, you don't think we're gonna lose credibility because you say that's the only name I know? Really, Joe well, Kelly? That's the only one I've written down. There's a lot of other names, but I'm not gonna go yeah, down to all. That's of a them. better way to put it. All right. I think, That's I think he, I think it'd be a good match. I think Kelly's been there. He knows he fits in the clubhouse, and I think it'd be kind of cool. But uh, well, yeah, you know they got they got Phillips be... and Gradol who can close the games, but you don't have that one dominant guy that like I don't know, let's say Eric Gagne. You know, I, I threw you. Thank you. What do you got on the Angels? What about the Angels? Like how like that's going to be a little that's going to be kind of tricky because they don't want to they they don't want to get rid of Otani. everybody knows that but yeah but what if they get nothing for him that's what i'm saying like you're gonna you're not gonna sign him back unless you give him percentage of the team or you name the stadium after him or something like that you're not gonna get him back it's almost impossible unless unless something i don't know about yeah. but it's gonna be interesting to see what they do because you're gonna pass on like basically they could get the whole minor league system of whatever team or you could do a three-way trade and throw some money at a young team that doesn't have a lot, you know, kind of go that way. 
because they could get five, six, seven really, really big impact prospects. And I don't yeah, think they get back. I'm not sure. They would obviously get big names back, but, I'm, you know, it's a rental. Yeah, I agree. He's not going to sign that big contract. Even if he was traded to, to those beloved Yankees of mine, they, they would, you know, unless they would have talks of like, you know, like some kind of like give him like an idea of what the offer would be in the offseason. The guy wants to win. Someone even mentioned that uh, they would see him in an Orioles uniform, man. Yeah, there's going to be talk before the if he ever gets traded, which I don't believe he will. He won't. If he ever gets traded, I think it's going to be a talk where there's an extension talk into it already, almost like. Maybe not sign, but there's going to be an agreement to say, hey, this is where we're thinking, you know, X amount of money, X amount of years. And there's going to be an agreement because he's not going to go there as a rental. There's, that's impossible. I don't think so. Well, maybe just to win. Like, you, you go to Baltimore, you go to Tampa Bay, you know, get that ring. There's no way, no way he goes to anywhere except, you know, Seattle, Dodgers. No, that's not going to happen. All right, we'll see. <laughs> Trade it to the Dodgers, man? Yeah, forget I, it, man. I'm, the the LA riots would be close. Then again, I don't think he's get traded, period. I really don't believe he's going to get period, traded. There's no way they would do that because, you know, I would trade. I think they would trade Trout before they trade him. And I think the uh, Trout probably has a no-trade clause. So, I don't know. It's going to yeah, be Yeah, plus Trout's been but, injured so often in the last couple of years that it's pretty tough. Yeah. But um, let me ask you a question. No, but let, let no, me ask no, you a question. You, no, I don't want to answer your question. I want to go my <laughs> answer. <laughs> What do you got? <laughs> you have a lot of questions. I, that's the idea of a, yeah, exactly. That's the idea of hosting a podcast. What if, if what if you're Otani and I come up to you as a GM and I go, listen, you know, we're we're not going to win this year. We know how important winning is to you. You know, we're trying to move, we're thinking of moving you to like these cities. Uh, how do you see it? Is there somewhere? And then you know, in the off season, we'll make a pitch for you. How would you take that as a player? Would you would you would you be open to that? Yeah, I mean, I don't think he has a say anyway. I don't think he can. Uh, he doesn't have a no trade clause or nothing. But I mean, of course, you can be open to that. That's what that's kind of what teams do. You know, when I got traded from the Rangers, they like they talked to say, "Hey, we'd love to have you back. If you know, we might trade you. If we do trade you, we'd love to have talk again in the offseason and bring you back." That was kind of what we left it when I went to Boston. But it's yeah, it's it's all relationship. They're not going to say a number. They're not going to talk about that. But they're no. going to be like, we want you back. We want to make everything work out. We can't pass on the prospects. We can't do this right now. And then, would you be willing? You would you would that hurt your feelings, or would it be okay if we trade you and then, you know, get some prospects and maybe try to go after you as hard as we can and be really give an honest effort to get you back? That's a conversation they're already had probably yeah. a month ago. What's I'm your sure prediction? They're, they're, What's your prediction? Where's it going to be next? Uh, next uh, next March. Uh, Next February, be, which uniforms are you wearing at the spring training? My gosh, I don't know. It's so hard. I mean, it's so hard because you're looking at small markets and you're like, oh, he can change. Like I said earlier, he can change a whole franchise overnight. Like yeah. if you put a Tani anywhere, it changes the whole franchise. So I don't think it's going to be a team that Yankees, Boston, or Dodgers. It'll be a sleeper team that we don't think about that actually have the money. Giants. Giants. I think Giants is a good. It's a good. That'd be a good fit for him. Yeah. I think I'd like to see that. Mariners, Giants. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's not a lot of teams that you can really. See you know, what my prediction can... is. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to end up with the Marlins. I'm just fucking kidding. But <laughs> I think the Mets, the Marlins, the Mets have a chance. I think the Mets. Oh yeah, that's what they need. Spending more money oh. for less chemistry. Hey, let's bring on our first guest uh, before we get into another like dismal New York team, which is one of our favorite pastimes. <laughs> I'm so happy to have him with us. Actually, you're the one who actually turned him on to a story. 
um, Brian Ruby uh, made his coming out a couple years ago. Uh, you know, to, to, against the advice of someone close to him. But uh, what a great example of like you know just following your gut, man, and just you know finding that inner strength of just wanting to be who you want to be and who you are. As you know, as a matter of fact. So and uh, since then, man, it's been steamrolling us to like how you know certain guys just use that example to come out and just be more free and and it's, i think it's pretty symbolic of of, of the era that uh, we're living in so uh um hey let's welcome our guest uh brian ruby brian how you doing how's it going man how's good going? to see you you know I, wow. I'm not... nice time, my man wow that is a that, that, look at max is jealous right here. max is really jealous right there <laughs> yeah yeah i don't think he's ever had hair like that <laughs> no, I, I guarantee you i never even came close to it man even if i when i tried i was actually i, I was i had curly hair can you imagine really? what, yeah even yeah period so kind of like wavy curly it's like and even the staff here is coming to look at me like really you had fucking curly hair before yeah i fucking did just get off my back man it's like you know but um all right blowing a little bit <laughs> you know i'm gonna take i'm gonna let gags take over no i was just gonna say no I, this is probably the only uh christian uh baseball podcast and no, i'm just fucking kidding but um honestly brian your story is just amazing to watch and 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 I'll give I'll give an example of how th times are changing, and not comparing what I lived this weekend to anything that you lived. But uh, yesterday, my kid, who's 14 years old, playing high caliber ball, they were playing against an all an all girls team. They got their ass kicked. Okay. They got their ass kicked. They lost 11 to two. I remember when I played, yeah. and and there was a couple of girls. You know, girls, maybe per league, there was two girls, and it was like you would hear stuff like, "Man, you got struck out by a girl." Oh my God, man, we just got beat by girls. It was so beautiful to watch my kid and his team just be in awe of how good uh, the girls' team was. And what you're done about, you know, just is coming out and the reaction you're getting, we can actually say fucking times are changing. Yeah, slowly, I think. And, you know, we got a long ways to go, but I think they are changing. I've seen LGBTQ plus acceptance in baseball Um I'm on the ground floor of it with our charity. I'm wearing the shirt right yeah. now. Proud to be in baseball. Uh, that, that's the name of our nonprofit, and we 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 live this every day, seeing how there are so many young players who just want to play ball. They just want to be good ball players like any other kid, and wondering is baseball a space for me or not? Can I be myself and play ball? You know, when I was growing up watching I'd come home from school and turn on the TV and would watch major league games at night. And I grew up as a Phillies fan and I was always wondering, is there anybody out there like me? And I felt so, so alone for years. Just every time I stepped on the ball field, not being able to having to hide and, and not being able to really um, tell anybody and for, for the fear of losing losing my spot on whatever team I happened to be on at the time, all the way from high school up through um, college and, and indie ball and the pros and, and um, even overseas and in winter ball. I mean, at every level that I've played, I've, I felt like I have needed to hide. And finally I just kind of got tired of it. And I thought to myself, man, I've, I've been in baseball for a long time and I'm just want to know if it's even possible for me to live my life out and and 
be true to who I am and stay in the game. And one of the things that I'm most proud of after I came out, I came out in 2021. I was playing indie ball in Oregon at the time um, for the Salem Kaiser Volcanoes. And it just so happened to go up on the cover of the sports section in USA Today. And I really, that was really scary for me, you know, having my deepest, darkest secret out there. But one of the things that I'm most proud of after all of that, all the getting picked up in, in the news and doing interviews and stuff, all that didn't matter. What mattered to me, because it would have mattered if I had seen this as a kid, was another ball player who had been able to come out and keep their job. Yep. and continue playing. And I played even, that was in 2021, towards the end of the season, finished out the season, had a career year, um, put up my, my best numbers I've ever put up because I was accepted by my teammates. And the next year, went back to play a little bit of indie ball, but really transitioned more to doing more of our charity stuff to try to grow LGBTQ acceptance for the next generation of ball players. And I've played a little bit this summer, um, internationally, actually, in some tournaments. And um, I'm planning to probably retire at the end of the season, which is okay with me. Uh, we got a lot of, lot of stuff going on and a lot of important things that I think we need to do for baseball. Nice. And I got, I, you know, because you're in baseball. We all know in baseball, we're in the clubhouse. We all talk shit a lot. We all like, you know, there's a lot of things yeah. that shouldn't be said in there. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I don't want to <laughs> – it's bad. It's bad. It's like it's, it's – Give us small... some examples, Gags. Give us oh, some examples. I don't, we don't need to do that. But my question Just is put like, the whole thing in context so we can have the full image. Of it was I'm like for Brian it, to be yeah. in the dressing room. But what I'm saying, it's like for real, like to just for you to come out, first of all, it must have been such a big relief, right? Just It must have been like a big weight off your shoulder, but then you add some more on top of it because I don't know like if you – when you, you – knew you're gay or not i mean did you figure that out were you did you know when you're younger or did you know that or did your family know that yeah okay so they all i knew, knew i certainly didn't tell anybody um i knew from maybe 13 or 14 you know just being at baseball practice and hearing my teammates talk about whatever girl at school and me just having no interest <laughs> and I, I get, I mean, I've heard all the things that you said in the locker room and, and to answer that question, it's like, you know, I, I had heard some pretty bad comments about people like me over the years in baseball, in every locker room. It's just a part of the culture and really wondering, it's like, I wonder if these guys knew that one of the guys that they hang out with every day that they, go to the batting cage with that they, you know, go to Chipotle with after the game, they go to the weight room and lift with, and, you know, you're hanging, you're hanging on the bus. Like you're, you're really tight with your teammates. I wonder if they, I would always wonder if these guys knew about me, would they accept me? You know, because they're saying some pretty bad stuff about people like me, but they, maybe they just don't really know people like yeah. me. And, and um, I think that that, ended up coming true a lot of the guys who had said stuff like that actually realized what they said and apologized uh after the fact and i said no worries like you know i think um they they appreciated that that i was chill about it and they were chill about it and we all just kind of got to keep playing ball which was the best awesome. ideal best scenario for me
So you, obviously you've and, seen a difference. Um, you've seen a difference in the clubhouse before and after and people that they were a lot more respectful because you know you're in you're in an environment like this is a baseball environment in a clubhouse this is just male trying to be over you know just a bunch of try to guys trying to over one up each other but there's another thing that you do you're a country singer yeah so you come from baseball community <laughs> yeah. industry into a country singer industry so what's tell us the difference who's more i don't want to say who's more accepting or not because it all probably depends on everything but tell us a little bit about that because that's pretty interesting mm-hmm. oh yeah Try, trying to make the country singers yeah. be more di- like, i would yeah. say <laughs> okay go on sorry i would say the country uh in well i live in nashville and um I, from what i've experienced like because um country music is is full of artistic people like they, it's actually been a little bit better than baseball. Really, um, my teammates have been great. I think that the base, the baseball world itself, like as a whole, hasn't been super friendly towards people like me over the years. My actual teammates, though, have been really great. So, um, and our our general manager, when I came out, uh, was playing for the Volcanoes in Oregon in indie ball, and our general manager sent me one of the nicest texts anybody's ever sent me. Like you're all good. We love you here. You know, it was perfect. Um, so, so people have been individuals have been really accepting, um, in baseball. I think overall we got a long ways to go. Um, but in country music, I mean, the guys that, that I play with, we, we were, uh, we always just joke about it. It's like a camaraderie, the same thing with, uh, teammates as, as guys in the band, you know, it's just a bunch of people who are hanging out backstage and getting ready to play music together, and it's a good time. And um, today, actually, we we drove back from Michigan. I'm in Nashville right now. Just got back home, but we had a 12-hour drive. Uh, we played in Michigan the last two days, so I'm I'm hitting it hard as a musician. And it the the baseball life definitely prepares you for the musician life. Like you're on the road, you're you're and a hotel room or wherever it's kind of a lot like the minor league you know it's not like we're at the uh, hyatt or the the ritz nope. carlton nope <laughs> and uh as as uh country country music singers right now it's, it's a lot like indie ball where we're we're at motel six or or the travel lodge or you know we sweat it out but you, you get to play music and it's and i'm gonna work my way up and that's kind of where we're at well, I guess, you know, being free of, you know, to be who you are, like, yeah. like you know, in the last couple of years gives you that strength to, like, now be able, like, you know, to to uh, attack any challenges. I mean, life becomes less scary. I don't know if scary is the right word, you know what I mean? But but my question is, yeah, if we, if we look at the Billy Bean story, I mean, you know, game players I've played a game mm-hmm. for the last 150 years, they've been, you know, I don't know, I'm, I'm not going to ask you, I mean, I don't know, should we go through, like, what's... What, according to you, is like an educated guest of the amount or percentage of gay players in in in, in, in professional baseball? You know, like maybe two, three percent. Yeah, I have no idea. I mean, we have heard from since I've come out. I, I didn't just want to come out for me. I wanted to do something and create something. Like when when I was a kid and I googled gay baseball player to see if there's anybody else actively playing. I found Billy Bean. I found Glenn Burke. Um, two major leaguers who came out after they retired. Yeah. 
But I really would have meant a lot to me as a kid to see somebody who was actively playing. So I think there are a ton of guys out there. And I think that there will be a wave of guys who come out at all levels of the game. Um, LGBTQ plus people have been um, on every team of every sport in every location around the world. Always. We're, we're, we're there. Sometimes people just don't know about it. And I think it's, it would help a lot if, if organizations like Major League Baseball committed a little bit more to helping yep. show that baseball can be for everybody. Yeah. You know, we've seen a lot of stuff with MLB trying to work on um, uh, women in baseball and, and, and improving the environment to have female coaches. I know a few that are like rising up the ranks and, and doing a really good job and, and people representation of all kinds of different people in the front office. And um, it was really telling our charity went to a, a uh, convention in the off season, the ABCA convention, American baseball coaches association convention. And there were 8,000 people there and we had the only booth with a rainbow and we saw how many people came up to us, how many coaches came up to us, youth coaches, high school coaches, college coaches, and tell us the stories about their players that um, either came out to them when they were playing for them or came out afterwards because they didn't feel like they, it was a comfortable environment for them. And to be on the ground and to be the organization, you, you don't realize how many people are like me in baseball until you're the guy who's all of a sudden um, the gay baseball player like in USA Today, and you receive messages from all the other players. And I think that everybody's just sort of like, I, I don't know, you know, I have no way of really knowing like a percentage, but it's a good amount. If you think about all the people that play baseball across yeah. all levels, um, and everybody's curious. Everybody's like, I think everybody's, I've had very similar conversations with a lot of the players feeling like there's a weight on their shoulders and just wanting to stay in baseball and questioning if that's even possible. And I think that um, probably the, the biggest thing that people can do if they're a coach or a player who's straight um, or a, an athletic trainer or somebody in the front office, anybody in the baseball environment is just like, you know, show some some support as an ally. Like, mm -hmm. I think if, if uh, you know, I identified, I had a couple teammates who were really strong allies of the LGBT community, and those were the guys I knew that I could go to and feel comfortable with. And once I went to them and I came out to them, and they said, yeah, man, no big deal. We got your back. It was so much easier for me uh, to tell the rest of the guys. And... You know, it's everybody asks, like, is it, how should I come out? How should I do this? Like, and for years, I didn't really want there to be a newspaper article about me because I'm a whole lot more than just who I'm attracted to, right? Yeah. I'm a, a ball player. I'm a country music singer. I like barbecue. Like, I have all these things. Like, my, my favorite color is whatever. Like, I, I, in the off season, I enjoy, you know, going fishing and, and 
all kinds of stuff. Like that's just one little fact, just like anything else. I throw right-handed, like, like anything else. And, and I think guys are also afraid of being labeled as the gay baseball player. I know there are major leaguers right now who, who, um, you know, they, they've put in so much work. You think about the amount of work, you know, Eric, to, to get to that level. And I, I could only ever dream of getting to the big leagues, played low level in ball, but it takes a whole lot of work to get there. And, you know, you want to be known kind of as a good ball player. You don't necessarily want to be known for other stuff. And I think a lot of guys are afraid of that. But what I would say to that is that it's really more powerful than any hit you can get in a game or any uh, strikeout that you have on the mound or, or win or accolade or whatever, because younger athletes like me will see it. And there are kids out there. It's, it's really, really sad. I don't want to get too dark, but um, mm-hmm. LGBTQ kids commit suicide at a much higher rate than um, kids who aren't in that community. And, you know, you don't want any kid to feel alone like I did. And if I had and- just been able to see somebody like me, it would have it, it would have made the world of difference. And people, more people coming out in baseball will save lives. So it's more important than baseball. Yeah, it's, that's why it's, it's funny and sad at the same time. Yesterday, I was talking to my wife. I said, hey, I got Brian's coming on. I'm like, I don't want to be an idiot and ask stupid questions. So I, I practice on it. And I was making a joke. I'm like, Did okay. You? Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I don't want to be like, I, I'm ignorant. I mean, I'm not. I don't judge at all. I really don't. But I didn't want to be. And obviously, you got some self-esteem issues, also. That you know, we got to solve at some point. (laughs) I do. I do. I have a lot of issues. Trust me. (laughs) But I was practicing with my wife questions. I'm like, is that going to be insulting? Is that not going to be insulting? I say, hey, you're. And I told her, I said, you're the gay baseball player. And she goes, you can't say that. I'm like, I know I can't say that. But I'm saying, hey, this. I'm just saying, like, this is probably what he hears all the time. This is probably what he hears all the time as a gay baseball player. I'm like. Which is, like you said, it's just a little small fraction of it. And then my, the other question that came to me, I'm like, is MLB really ready for this? Because I don't think they're ready, even close. Because when you have a team like the Texas Rangers, they're the only team in Major League Baseball that do not yeah. have the gay pride night, which is ridiculous. And my, I mean, we're it's 2023 right now. Yeah. But before you answer, Brian, I was going to say, you know, most of the teams are doing it. But I, I wonder, honestly, how many of them are honest Let's say let, let, let's no, let's be honest. Obviously. It's a fucking MLB, marketing. It's a marketing tool. That's it. That's the problem, and I think that goes to my question: Is MLB ready? I don't think yeah. they are. And what what is the next step to be done for guys like you? So, like you said, suicide and just to be yourself. I mean, you know, we're baseball players. You're trying to be yourself all the time. You're mm-hmm. trying to be you know, as a player, as a pitcher. You're trying to find yourself as a pitcher. I can only imagine trying to find myself as a person. Try to fit in by just faking myself, faking in around people. And I can't even imagine, which for me, it's just amazing what you've yeah. been able to do your whole life. You almost had to hide. And then, you know, what do you think about it? You think MLB should take a sense of everybody. It's like, you got to have a gay pride night. Cause it's, it's, it's part of community. We don't talk about it cause it's probably taboo for everyone, but it's, what do you think about that? What do you think MLB needs to do to kind of open up people's eyes? Cause ignorance is everywhere. We see it in this kind of environment. 
politics, everything. Everybody, a lot of yeah. people, if they don't know it, they fear it. And that's kind of what it, it feels like. It's like that. But tell me, what do you think should be done? I mean, guys like you take the lead. Yeah. Well, what's done? Yeah. There's a lot of questions there. Uh, a lot of points. Uh, number one, first, no worries about the questions. I believe me, you guys are cool. I have been asked everything over the last couple of years since we've done this. So no worries. Um, and uh, number two about the pride night. Um, I think that most pride nights right now are sort of a marketing thing. Like yeah. you said, it's about getting people into the stadium and selling rainbow merchandise. And there's a disconnect. There's a huge disconnect about just getting people in the stadium versus actually improving the environment for players. The whole reason I started this because I was, because I felt like nobody was really doing that. And there needed to be something that looked out for the actual LGBTQ people that are in baseball, not just the people who are in the stands. So mm -hmm. there's a huge difference there. And I think that to make your point about the Rangers as well, um, I think they're the only team that doesn't do a pride night, at least uh, in Major League Baseball this past year. Um, and from my understanding, it just was – a decision that kind of came from above by the ownership group. And I think that there actually are a lot of people I've heard from them who work in the Rangers organization who would totally support a pride night. But I think sometimes you just get a bad, bad egg at the top who puts the kibosh on it and says, no, we're not going to do this. And unfortunately, you know, you would wish that some people from major league baseball would, step up and say, no, this is something that can help baseball. Um, one of the things that I like to point out is that record numbers of the younger generation are identifying as members of the LGBTQ community more and more as it becomes more mainstream um, are, are in the community. And when those kids watch a baseball game and they want to have a favorite player, just like I did, when I was a kid, sure, they could they could uh, be a fan of whatever player's the star on their local team, but they want to see somebody like them. It's a huge marketing miss. You're missing being able to market to this whole 20% uh, of the younger generation who's only going to grow into the people who, who have the money to, to buy seats at the stadium, to buy season tickets when they're older. You know, all these people don't have a reason to care about baseball. Just because you have one night out of the year for them to show up at the ballpark doesn't mean that it's really an environment for them. So I, I've tried to say that. I've gone into the commissioner's office um, three or four times and have tried to make those points. And, and I think that you know, for things to change, it's going to really take some leadership from the top and people really understanding this. And it, it, it's not not political. It's not, um, you know, there's all kinds of things in the media when you bring up LGBTQ stuff that, that people get so divided on. And really what I try to say is these are our teammates. These are our coaches. These are the people that, sell popcorn and cotton candy in the stands. You know, we're already there. We love baseball. We want to be in baseball. Part of the reason I named it proud to be in baseball is we're proud to be baseball players. It takes a lot of work 
to be a baseball player. I have a tremendous pride in getting to play indie ball. You know, when I started out as a kid, I wasn't the best player on my little league team. You know, I was, I, I had to work really hard to, to get there. Um, and we're also proud to be in the LGBT community, you know? Um, and that's, that's a thing that takes a while to, to, uh, to become proud of, you know, you know, when you grow up in baseball and you hear some of these comments about people like us, you know, it's, it's really is a journey to realize, no, I'm proud of who I am. And, and those two things can coexist. Um, I always say like who you date has nothing to do with whether you can hit a 95 mile an hour fastball <laughs> or a 102 mile an hour fastball nowadays. Cause yeah. everybody's throwing harder. You know, it's totally, totally different thing. So, so it, it will take quite a lot to, to get baseball to shift focus, but times are changing and, you know, baseball is a slow moving sport, but I think it's possible. We're just kind of at the baby stages of it and need to build it. Yeah, because, you know, I mean, baseball, just like most, you know, professional sports, you know, it's no, it's an old white man's club still. And, uh, you know, we're talking about, yeah. like, you know, the second, you know, whether it's the commissioner or the owners and stuff. But at the same time, you know, you'll watch interviews because I think every player has been asked that in every sport, whether it's hockey or basketball, football or baseball. How would you feel about having a gay player or a gay teammate on your team, you know? And it's, oh, I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. Yeah. What's the real deal of that, too? Because, I mean, the locker room has to yeah. change. I think that's where it starts. I mean, you, you can't do something about, like, some 85-year-old man who comes from a whole new, a, a, a totally different generation who's not even connected to, you know, the, the reality of today. It's understandable. You know, it's like, but what about, I, th I think the biggest mission is to change a culture in the dressing room first, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think people in our culture, people look to athletes for leadership athletes have millions of followers on social media and they have a platform you know they're heroes for people they they're they're um, they really are and and having people actually you brought him up because he he might i don't know if he's getting traded or what marcus stroman is a great example of a guy like this who's a straight guy who's an ally of the community and you know i think when kids look up to somebody like that because they're a good baseball player and they see that it's possible, you know, they see him tweeting about stuff like this in support of my community. Um, it's almost cool to be an ally, right? You need to have those people who show that it, it's okay. And, and a lot of the work, like even the fact that we're doing this on this podcast, right? I'm sure there'll be a ton of baseball people that tune into this and they see you, Eric, actually, I mean, I would love to ask you a question if you're cool with it. Um, like if, uh, if you, I asked this to, to Gabe, no pressure. Um, I asked this <laughs> I to love Gabe that we were just setting it up, but it's going to be great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, um, what would you say? Like, let's say you were playing ball today in the big leagues, right? And one of your teammates came out to you. What would you say to him? I would ask him questions. I think ignorance is to me. It's ignorance. It's like it's racism, ignorant. Like we're like I, I used a Jackie Robinson. Like to me, it's totally different because we're talking race and everything else. But acceptance comes from knowledge. 
and I would ask questions. I would like, I would be so welcoming. Yeah. I think, of course, we're all, we're all, uh, you know, I say that now until it comes in, but that's why I wanted to talk to you today. Cause I think it's important that people understand that this, you know, it's just one little fraction of your life. It's nothing. It's, it's your private life. You know, it's your private for me. I would love, I would have loved that because it's, yeah. to me, I think it's opens up our horizon, opens up your mind. You know, I've always thought I was a pretty open-minded guy, you know, I think I am. I, of course, I've said some bad things in my life. I've said some stupid things, tried to be funny and everything like this. That's why I was bringing up a little bit the clubhouse atmosphere, which is absolutely, I'm sure it's, you yeah. heard some stuff that you shouldn't have never heard. But I would, I, I mean, I would have been, I think, I think I would have been okay with it. I really do. I, I don't know if I would have been, you know, why, like, yeah. how I would have done this, everything else. But to be honest, I want to be as transparent as I can be. I would have loved to see how I would have reacted. Because now, because I don't want to, I got kids. I don't want my kids to go to bed feeling like they're different. They're less than someone else. Because, right. you know, I don't, I don't, I don't believe that you pick who you love. Because I would pick, you know, I would have, I've got divorce already. So obviously you don't pick who you love. You don't pick your attraction. I got divorce already. So, but I think it's, yeah. I think it's, I would have been open-minded. I think so. But I think those conversations we're having are the most important thing. We talk about racism and everything else. This is the most important thing to have those conversations, to have guys like you talk about it and make us more sensitive to it, to how we talk about and how we talk to people, make sure that we don't know who we're talking to. I mean, it's not like you're going to know someone's getting out. I mean, you're not going to figure, oh my God, yeah. this is, you know, you don't know that. I mean, you're, you're, like you said, you play baseball, you're a country music guy, you know, there's no difference yeah. whatsoever, except, you know, it's yeah. like, for me, it's almost. I like Chinese food. I don't like Chinese food. It's, it's, it's a personal choice. Yeah. And I think for me, I would say yeah. that to me, it's the most important thing, someone accepting someone, because you have all type of different people in a clubhouse. You have guys that are nice. You have guys that are assholes. You have guys that are, get along with others. You have loud people. You have people who are super quiet. You have gay people. I know there's gay people. I played with some. I know in my gut feeling that I thought it might have been. But I wish maybe they would have been better. Maybe they would have had a longer career. They would have been a lot more successful being at peace. And I think when yeah. I read your quote about as a kid, you felt like there's something wrong with you. To me, that hurts my that hurts me because I would never want my kids to feel that way. They're different. Like you know, it's just I just I don't understand it. Yeah. I don't understand how people start yeah. judging others before they even understand what's going on in their heart under their yeah. however it works. But I would have been, I think I would yeah. have been very receptive. I think it would have, it would have brought in my horizon, I think, a little bit more. And I would have loved to be part of it. And then that's why I wanted to do that interview today with you. Because I think it's super interesting and super courageous how you, how you handle it. It's very cool. Thank you. Yeah, that was, I mean, that's a great answer. Like, that's exactly what you, what I would want as a, as as that guy in the locker room is okay a teammate maybe he's not exactly sure what to do but he wants to go in with an open mind and learn and 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 that was like that's perfect for somebody like me and i think you're right you don't really pick who you love i'm gay you're you got divorced and max is falling in love with his neighbor so <laughs> i'm not we just made out that's what we did we made out nobody's talking about love yet don't get me like you know yeah And she's a cat lady, by the way. Part, I don't know about that. She's not a cat lady. She's just got one fucking cat. She doesn't have 25. She's got one fucking cat. Wait, wait. Starts with one, man. Start with one. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Uh.
Darcy, but I'm talking about life partners. Fuck, you know, we're, we're getting off the subject now, honestly. It's going to be, it's not about oh. me, it's not about me. But, you know. But let's talk about you. I, I, got, I read a little bit of a story that you went with the, with the players. You went to someone's wedding. Tell us a little bit about that story because I read about it. I thought it was pretty cool, pretty interesting how accepting it was. And just tell us a little bit. Yeah, I have a teammate who wants to officiate weddings. <laughs> yeah, I read so. that. You know, you know, we don't make like a lot of money in indie ball. So you're trying to just scrap like I've been an Uber driver before, a Lyft driver. You know, you're working it right now. I play music at bars and get tips. And, you know, that's how I make the money. But, yeah, so this teammate was wanted to officiate weddings. And he came up to me and was like, tell me everything you you know about gay weddings because I hear that I can make some money. <laughs> New market. <laughs> New market. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but there's something yeah, kind of, there's something was, so, re- there's something nice behind that naiveness, you know, just the fact that it will come up and just like, hey, I'm thinking yeah. about this and just like, you know, it's, it's not even a question my faith or who I am or I was brought up and what are my thoughts or beliefs. It's like, hey, fuck, man, I can make money. Just tell me more about this, you know? Yeah. The, the casualness is amazing. I can make some money. Yeah. Yeah, that was... I mean, if you would have asked me at the beginning of my baseball career, would I ever be talking about that, um, about uh, talking to one of my teammates about officiating a gay wedding (laughs) in the clubhouse, I I would have never guessed that. But, you know, we talk about all kinds of things in the clubhouse, as you know. I mean, there's been there's been so many stories like that just about um, you don't realize like how many people, even if they're not in the in the LGBT community, how many people know somebody like a brother, a sister, a friend, a cousin, their teacher from back home, their neighbor. And, and one of the coolest things for me after I've come out is every time I go into a baseball environment and I'm wearing this shirt representing our charity, or even, you know, like last year in the locker room or in the clubhouse, um, I hear of, of all the stories of people who they care about, you know, everybody wants to tell me like, and it's, and, um, you know, maybe like, um, actually here's a good, a good, uh, way. I just thought of this. Um, you know, you said you, maybe you weren't, weren't sure like what you could do if you wanted to show support of a teammate who would come out to you, like when you're playing, um, you know, if you, if you knew anybody, that was uh, in the LGBT community, like um, one of the things, one of our pitchers told me um, told me about his cousin and he told me a story about it and, and I knew that that was somebody, okay, I can, he's cool, right? Like you can just tell you, tell um, tell them about somebody that you know um, or some somebody or a character on TV or a, a singer, you know, who's, who's famous that, that you like their music, like, Freddie Mercury from Queen or somebody. And they'll know that that, that's the sign of acceptance. Um, One of the coolest things, our catcher, um, he came up to me and he he said that that, um, he was always very, he was always like the first one to get in a fight. He would get in a, he got into it with guys on the other team a couple times during the season. He even got into it with one of the guys in our locker room really season and he yeah he was always ready to fight i played winter ball with him in latin america and i thought that man this guy like i don't know if i should 
say anything to this guy because he might have an issue. And he came up to me the day after I came out and he gave, he dabbed me up in the clubhouse and um, in front of everybody too. And he said, man, if anybody ever messes with you, they got to deal with me. And that meant the world to have the dude in the clubhouse who's always going at it, have, have my back. And nobody did. And um, after the season, I said, why did you say that? Like, you didn't need to say that in front of everybody. And he said, well, when I was a kid in Puerto Rico in Catholic school, um, I got picked on by the other kids because he was the kid who had two dads, right? So he was he was raised by two dads, and he never told that to anybody in baseball because he didn't want to didn't want to tell, right? But um, you know, and it actually explained why he was like fighting everybody because he grew up having to fight his way out of different situations, right? When he was getting picked on, so you just never know like that was a guy who i thought might be my biggest adversary who actually was my biggest ally you know so um it's just it's been really cool to hear those stories of of the actual people in baseball who who feel like they can support something like this you know it doesn't need to be controversial i i, I know that i I didn't directly answer your question. Is Major League Baseball ready for this? And I think that a lot of the players are. And because people look up to the players, you know, the fans will be ready when they see that the players are ready. And the owners and the general managers and the front office and the broadcasters and, and the media will be ready when they see more players are okay with it. So players, players need to defend it. I got a, I got a little, it's a pretty sad, you know, anecdote that I've got when I was actually, I spoke French my whole life. I came baseball, professional baseball, my first year in professional baseball, I didn't speak a lot of English. So I was picked on by teammates because I spoke French. They thought it was gay and they kept saying (laughs) that, kept saying that, kept saying that. So, and it, just I just want to say like it's amazing what you probably had to go through without even because you hear it every day every day you probably hear a bad something bad people don't know they just start talking bad shit about everything it's and I added just being French Canadian and they were just calling me the F word all the time you know the bad word and it's like it's just because I spoke French so that just tells you the the level of ignorance and I can only imagine (laughs) how you could have even you had to go through this and I mean for me it's amazing what you've what you've accomplished just as a person, just the way you've done it. And then to me, I'd love to have one of your shirts. Send me a shirt because I know Max and I will wear it next for time. For sure, man. And it, it, it opens a door for me also to tell you the story about, you know, when I first started losing my hair. You know, because it wasn't really. He was, he was five and a half. <laughs> Why did I open that fucking door? Why did I open that fucking door, man? Like, trying to be cute and stuff. And just, but what would you like, what would you say to a kid that's in your situation, young kid? What would you tell a kid? Like the best advice you would give him? 
just to kind of like just to help them a little bit. Now maybe they're watching right now. What would you tell them? Like you said, we talked a little bit earlier or today or yesterday. Yeah, because you are that guy now. You are that guy that can actually, you know, weight, get that weight off some, some, some young kid's shoulder. Yep. What would yeah. you tell them? I would, say, I would say even though it might feel like you're alone, you're not alone. And I would point to a couple players because there have been a few guys who have come out um, last year and, and this year. Uh, so I'm not the only one anymore who's out publicly. Um, there, there are a few, and there will be more on the way. There, you're not alone. There are other guys like you. Um, and just because you're gay is no reason why you should quit baseball. If you love to play ball, you should stick with it. And it'll be even more rewarding when you make it to the pros or you make it to on the varsity team at your high school or you make it to college ball or whatever. Um, it'll be even more rewarding to know that, that you had to overcome a challenge and to know that if you can overcome that, you can overcome so many things in your life. And it's okay to be to feel like you're different than your teammate. Um, that makes you unique. That gives you a different perspective, right? Um, I felt like a lot of the time, like when my teammates were out at the bar chasing after women, I, I wasn't, you know, I didn't have that pressure. I, I could go to the batting cage. I could go to the weight room. I could sleep. Because you know, we need a lot of sleep when you're traveling all around, and and you you got to get up the next morning and play ball. Like I could, I could focus, and um, so it's actually is a big gift if you think about it like that. And um, you know, you're not alone, and and it will be really rewarding for you. It'll feel really good, you know, when you can when you finally get to a place when I know that a lot of the younger athletes feel like that it's never possible that they can do that but it i will tell you firsthand it is man i just can't think of a better That's way awesome. to just uh, yeah man that was touching that was beautiful that was inspiring and man and anybody's listening right now depending what their situation is probably just felt a little more strength man brian thanks so much man i really hope we talk again and uh yeah yeah man it was great awesome. ah, just, i loved it <laughs> Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank Appreciate you. it. You, know, you just have your, just to be on our podcast, it's an honor for us to have you on and we'll have you more. And then tell us what we need to do to help. Because I mean, I know there's not a lot out there. There's not a lot of help and we're here. That's yeah, what he we're, fucking knows everybody, man. So, you know, <laughs> we'll help. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'll plug our charity. We're proud to be in baseball, proud to be in baseball.org. Um, We are trying to raise some money right now to, to create some programs that can help LGBTQ youth who play baseball. Uh, any donation is seriously greatly appreciated for anybody who's watching this and they want to support us. They can follow us on social media, see what we're up to at proud to be in baseball. Um, and really just, you know, all right now, um, follow along and, and, uh, Yeah, you can do it right now, right after you're finished watching right this, this podcast. <laughs> But um, and and you know, show up and if you grab a shirt like this and you wear it to the ballpark, you will help contribute to show that people like me can can belong in baseball and inspire the next generation to do the I'm same. On, so I'm on. I got you. I see. You. <laughs> I'm giving a shout out. Why? 
Well, I have a second. I'm giving a shout out to Mickey from the Volcanoes who connected yes. us. That was clutch. Yes. Thank you, Mickey. Thank thanks, you Mickey. Much. I have no idea you're talking about, but thanks, Mickey. Yeah, thank and, you, Brian. And, and you know, that as soon as we're going to hang up, he's going to ask for a receipt also. But uh, <laughs> thanks, Brian. We'll talk to you soon, man. It was just fucking amazing. Big hug and right. uh, take care, man. Thanks, Brian. Thanks. God, that was amazing, man. That was cool. I didn't know it. I was, I was so nervous, man. I was nervous. <laughs> You know, like, but my, you just, you know, yeah, I don't want to be a, I don't want to say a dick, and that's, uh, that's bad. I don't want to be a, like, <laughs> just right there. See, I just messed up already. I just want to be one of those guys that doesn't. <laughs> that is so bad. <laughs> I was not going to say it. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, that is one God. of the funniest moments. Like, and of course, you have to you say dick by using quotes. So you're like stretching the oh man. That oh anyway, hey. amazing. Oh, I didn't know I didn't know what to expect, man. I did not know what to expect. I didn't I wasn't I didn't want to be an idiot and just like ignorant. He's amazing. He's an amazing guy. He's a great example for he is. everybody. And hopefully we can help him, you know, just kinda grow their community and make it more accepting. Well, the new generation is so more open to it. And, you know, we were talking it earlier on the show. I forget if it was on the France podcast or, or this one. But, you know, you're looking at a team like Cincinnati. We have so many rookies, so many guys, like, you know, 25 years and younger. You know, they they were, like, exposed. Like, you know, there were more and more kids coming out, like, in high school and social stuff. Media. So, it's, it's, it's you know. Gonna bring up, yeah, I was going to bring up the social media, like, how, you know, because impactful. Because at least he can go on social media. He's got, like, a community there that actually has support him. So I think the social media can be bad sometimes. It can be good. But I think hopefully it's, you know, they have a have a community, a support system to help him through. Because, like you said, there's a lot of kids are suffering in silence that we yeah. don't know about. We'll never know until it's too late. So hopefully that can help a little bit or a kid here and there. Oh, please. If you're, if you, if you, if you're in that situation, if you, if you recognize yourself into what Brian was saying, man, and that's also something else nowadays. There are more help. There's help out there. There's help, help out anyway. Uh, you know, there's numbers you can call. There's people you can talk to. And he said it. I remember when I was going through, like, you know, when, when I had a cocaine problem, I was like, I knew, I knew, you know, a lot of people were like, you know, uh, were suffering from the same problem. But I was embarrassed to talk about it until when I, when I you know, actually did it. And I, I thought I'd be judged, I did, you know. But no, I got support right away and stuff. It's the same thing. Stop thinking people are going to be against you, whatever you're going through in life. There are there's more help out there, and not just like I said, like whether it's like you know, uh, professional help or whatever. But there's just just like we have a big society problem there. I mean, you have a lot of pressure of you know fitting in, making being like everybody else, and that's cool to see a guy like that that comes out and actually becomes himself and become whole. I think so. That's cool. But you know, before I go to bed tonight, I am going to play the clip of you saying I didn't want to be a dick over. And That's so bad. I, I was doing so good until then. I'm like, oh, my God. Dude, are you serious? <laughs> All right, let's get some weight off your shoulders. Let's go to the relief, right, man. Let's go. Unreal. <laughs> so bad. I did so I good for like what 48 minutes. That was great. What are you talking about, man? You were awesome today, man. Forget it. But you know what? Actually, uh, this is the segment we're talking about. You know, the, the up and coming uh, players. And uh, let's be honest, uh, we did something about Edouard Junier in French. Um, we could also talk about it more in English. But uh, let's be honest, we uh, we uh, we didn't go over everything that we wanted to. 
because uh, we wanted to put more emphasis on the trade deadline. But uh, so I, because also this segment's also. Um, Come on, stay. I'm tired. What's the word I'm looking for? Sponsored. Sponsor, sponsored. By uh, Baseball Canada and, of course, Baseball Quebec. And uh, so, uh, you know, next time we actually go through the relief, we'll give you more examples. Like, I mean, so many kids are coming up, man. It's amazing. Yeah. So many kids. I mean, like I said, like you know, the, the, the Reds. Are f- okay, you know what? Let's, let, let's make it a small segment. The Reds have, like, McLean, De La Cruz. Uh, Friedel hasn't been there for that long. They got Steer. They got Abbott. Uh, they just called up Incarnation Stand. We talked about the uh, we talked about uh, Baltimore with all these kids. Uh, you know, when we talked to the trade deadline, but it's amazing to see teams having more and more confidence in 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 in, in those young guys. I mean, yeah. the kids are ready. I mean, that's what I was going to say. The kids are ready. You see a guy coming up like Edouard Julien. Edouard Julien has been on a tear. He's in 400 or whatever in the last month and a half or so. And But the teams are willing to give him a chance. That's the beauty of it. They're not – it's not like an old-school thought process where you need 400 innings in this pitcher or you need like two or three or four years in the minor leagues, a certain amount of at-bat. They come in ready. I mean, their prepar- preparation is a lot better. They come out of college. I can't, I can't remember where uh, where Edouard went to college, but it was a big college. He went there. He went to Auburn. Auburn, that's right. I was going to say uh, yeah. another one, but anyway, he went to Auburn. So these guys are basically, it's a minor league team. So a guy that comes up, goes to Auburn, comes in in that system, goes into minor leagues with the Twins. Twins has an amazing minor league system. The, the kids are prepared. The kids are ready. That's why guys like Toro and up, they come up, they're ready to perform. A guy like Edouard, he's, he's been on a tear. But the willingness of the teams to give them the opportunity has changed dramatically. You know, for the, for different different reasons, some good, some bad. A lot of it is monetary. A lot, it's all about making money or saving money, whatever it is. But but the kids are ready. They're really ready, and I think that that just tells you a lot about how they do in the minor leagues, the job they're doing, the coaches in the minor leagues, the preparation, the maturity in the college, and then coming to the minor leagues. And it's fun to watch because I want to see guys like Tor. I want to see guys LeBlanc. I want to see all those Lopez guys come up yeah. and perform right away. Quebec guys, yeah. Yep. There's a lot of guys that are coming up. They're good. Like you said, they're like De La Cruz kid. I mean, there's some phenoms out there. And I don't think I've ever seen that much talent ever. I mean, the guys are so good. I, mean, I know. Otani comes in. I'm like, what is that? De La Cruz kid is 6'12", going short, playing shortstop, hitting bombs, running all over. It's impressive. And a guy like uh, Julien come in, and he's, now he's, yeah. making his, he's making room. He's making them make moves for him to play. And it's fun to watch, and I think the teams are a lot more willing to do that. And it's you know that's what it needs to do. And kids are ready to play in the big leagues. Put him in the big leagues. No more uh, Chris Bryant stuff. That just to you save him in the minor leagues, just to hold. Oh, uh, that all. you know the next bargaining agreement, the whole fucking thing. You know, if you call guy, if you call a guy after uh, I think it's what early June. Uh, yeah, just, well, you save an extra year for uh, for arbitration if you're a team owner yeah. or whatever. Just anyway, but. Um, you know what I mean? The Reds and the and Baltimore are two teams uh, who have a great chance of you know of being of playing in a fall. Um, and we always hear the same thing. Well, with these young teams, we're going to bring veterans, uh, you know, to, to to surround them and calm them down and stuff. And we always hear the same answers about that. But like, what does truly like you know a veteran can actually do? It, 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 does it become sort of a shrink? You know, if the kid goes like I don't know, two for yeah. twenty-five. Of course, the batting the coach is there for you, but I mean, someone who's been the there. Yeah. And when I got called up, when I got called up in the big leagues, it was very different. I mean, people, are, you know, you're coming in, you're like a little guy from Mescosh Beach, and you're like, hey, I'm coming in. You got a guy making ten, twelve, fifteen million dollars a year. 
you don't fit in. So their job is to make you feel welcome, make you feel like you belong there, make sure you're comfortable, make sure that you're going to be doing the right thing. Not, you know, just make sure you pay your dues. Yes. But you want to make sure that you're acting like a professional baseball player. And now, and now more than ever, the veterans are a lot more valuable just because of what we talked about. The guys coming up a lot younger. There's a lot more of them. The, you know, the culture has changed. It's a young men's game. It's not the old veterans anymore dominating the clubhouse. So you got to make sure when they do come in, make sure that they understand the, the values of uh, respect each other. We talked about it with Brian right there. So, you know, that's another example, respect each other. And then when I coach, to me, as in the bullpen, you have to make sure that everybody understand that we have, we're all in this together. To win a ball game, you can't alienate anybody. And I think that's the job of veteran, bring in the young kids, make sure they feel at home, make sure they're, they feel like they belong there, and make them relax. Like you said, 0 for 20. Edouard Junier is going to go 0 for 20. He's going to go for 30 at some point. Where are the veterans, the guys like, uh, you know, that Korea, you, you know, you say, oh, it's a bad contract and everything else, but there's value that is not quantifiable that's out there, veteran leadership that's not, you can't really put a dollar amount to it. That's their job. I think that's what we're going to talk about the trading deadline a little bit later. That hey, this is what young teams going to have to start doing: start spending money on the veterans just to make the young guys a little more comfortable. I love it, man. All right, let's go to the closer. We're going to talk about this uh, on the other podcast, but we uh, we didn't get around to it. I don't know. Do you want to go? Um, I'll give you two options. Um, I don't know. Let's go for one option, actually. Rob Manfred. Yeah, let's talk about the re-election of Rob Manfred. That's, what, that, that's going to be an interesting subject because I think, you know, you're, you didn't know why I wanted to talk about it. The reason why I want to talk about it is because he's getting voted in. He's, uh, supposedly he's going to get voted. My light just turned off. Sorry. That's why I'm a little darker now. The light turned off and everything. But I want to talk about it because... You know, the problem, we talked about the bargaining agreement, all the problems we have now with the new salaries coming in and you know, arbitration, all that stuff. Now he's going to get voted again. And what I want to talk to you about is kind of, hey, he gets voted in by the, by the, the owners only. Yeah. I'd love, what I'd love to see, I'd love to see a committee where you have owners, you have even the fans can vote in something a little bit, like just their opinion, and players vote in. Because to me, in my opinion, the, the commissioner of the, any sports is there to represent the sports. He's there to represent the sport as a whole, not just the ownership or the, you know, the money parts. I think that's a big divide that's been happening in the last, I don't know, 20-some years when the money started getting really big, really real, and the players started taking this and that. And I think what happened is the, you know, the, the ownership and the commissioner are on one side, and then the players are on another side. What I'd like to see is a commissioner for all. And it's, you know, that's, it's almost like politics. You know, it's the same thing that's happening now. You need someone to represent everybody, the fans, the players, and the owners. And I'd love to see where the players have a say in there. They have a sit at the table where they can actually vote. Hey, who, who's best for the game? Not just for the owners to make money, but for the game, to grow the game, uh, to, to reach out the fan, the fan interaction. What do we need to do to improve our life as baseball players in the minor leagues? All this, the, all those big you know, there's a lot of issues in baseball that haven't been really addressed in a long time. We talked about uh, gay players, LBG, LB, whatever. I'm not. I'm yeah, it up, the gay players in the game. You know, this. These are issues. If you want to grow the game, you can't alienate people. You can't alienate the women. You can't alienate gay people. You can't alienate anybody. You're trying to grow it. And I think for me, that's what I'd love to see. Like now, they're going to vote him in. It's going to be the owners only because they're probably going to make more money this year and the year after and the year after. So they're happy. So they re-vote him in. 
He's done a lot of good things. That's what I want to talk about. What do you think about him? Do you think he should be the commissioner again? Or, you know, because he's got a, he's got what? I don't know how many years he's been there, probably 12. Uh, 15 or 16, 15, 15, no, 12. Years. It's been there for a while. Oh, yeah. So what do you oh, think? Well, Simo can tell us. How many, how many years has he been, has Benford been the commissioner? Of a, it bugs me. I'm right. going to be. I think, I think he's, I don't think he's going to mark history. I don't think it's going to be, uh, you know, the, the, the way Selig did. Um, I don't think Selig marked history for the right reason. I think, uh, you know, he because uh, he was involved, you know, with that, everything that, you know, the, the big steroid scandal. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the, I'm, geez, I'm going to look like an idiot. I'm looking for, uh, not Bowie Kuhn, but that era. What was the guy who was, who was actually uh, also at the head of the Olympics who became baseball commissioner? Pete, uh, Pete uh, Uberoth. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he's been uh, I'm, not, I'm, done. I'm looking at it's January 15th I'm sorry assumed office in 2015 that was his first year 2015 yeah Manfred yep Gen- it says assume office January wow. 25th wow it seems like longer so to me you know what okay, that, that's a good example of like you know nothing that special is happening because I think it's been like the same boring <laughs> long you know what the way the way he handled the A's thing really pisses me off because mm-hmm. the scars are too deep about the Montreal market Um, I hated the fact that he said, and he and, and he repeated it, and he just, you know, he kept hammering it that, you know, people didn't show up. Well, yeah, if, but if you're going to give me a fucking shitty product year after year, what's the what's my motivation to show up? You know, I mean, I, I think baseball is always, is is I, it's funny because it's kind of hypocritical. I hate the um, I hate the salary cap in baseball and in, in hockey. Because you know, I mean, I like the fact that there's a there's a ceiling and there's a floor. But you I mean teams like Arizona is a good example of like you know just always trying to ba- you know to barely make the 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 the, the, the yeah. floor. But baseball doesn't have that. You know, if someone forced the A's to like spend some money and actually put a decent fucking product on the field, you know, they, they, they wouldn't. It, they might still be moving to L.A. Uh, to L.A. to to uh, to Vegas, but to go and say the, to the fans, you guys didn't show up. I mean, we lived the same thing in Montreal. Montreal was, man, Montreal was a baseball town. I'm sorry what people say and what people think. It is a think. baseball town. It it's is a great sports town. And man. I think the Oakland A's is the same situation. It's always after the fact. Instead of being so reactionary, be preventative. Understand that, hey, if you don't put a product on the field, you will lose teams. That happened exactly. before. It's going to happen again. You know, and to me, you know, I didn't, I didn't like that. What I didn't like is when he said about the trophy, it's just a trophy. It's just hardware. To me, I'm like, you cannot say that. I mean, this is stuff that when ever since I'm playing three years, ever since I'm three years old, there's 750 million fans that dream to be in our shoes and winning that trophy and raise that trophy and drink champagne and just get like, you can't say that. You're devaluing your sport. To me, that yeah. was a big, big, big misstep. And the Oakland A's is the same thing. I think, the, you know, he's done a lot of good things. And I'm not going to bash him because I think he's done the change. The rule change is amazing, I think. Yeah. There's a lot. Of, there's a couple here, tweaks here and there. But I think it's, you know, I, I would love well, to see. They had to be made because, I mean, they had to be made because yeah. baseball was going. Of course, it was going in, in the wrong direction, you know. So, yeah, but uh, I think he's done some. He's done a good job. I think I would I would probably re- You know, I don't know. It's 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 a tough, but I'd like to see players have a say in it. That's what I would change a little bit in that situation. Kind of make the players involved in this. You want the players. The players are the game. The players and the fans are yeah. the game. To grow the game, you have to have the players involved. You have to players have a say in it, and then that's you know the. Yeah, but let me ask you a question then. Okay, let's say. Yeah, because in every in every major sport uh, in North America, um, the commissioner is voted by the owners in basketball, hockey, football. Yeah. Uh, So let's say now it's, it's, it's voted by a committee. 
But next time there's a bargain, uh, you know, there's negotiations. Where does he stand? In neutral? You know what I mean? And what, what happens like yeah, the, the Players the Association? Game. Greater good of the game. Greater good of the game. It's not about making money. It's about growth. And the problem is we're a little focused on making money, making money, which is great. I understand that. It's a business. I understand that. I totally get it. But at the, at the same thing, at the same time is that the world has changed. The way to make money has changed. The way the, the revenue is totally different than when the Expos were there. You can make money differently. I now, know, man. And it's not so much about having people in the stands. It's about, you know, social media advertising. It's about There's a lot of different things about that. But I think, you know, there's every sport's going to have to change as well. I think they're going to, you know, it's not going to change overnight. It's going to be a fight with the players and the owners. But I would love to see that. I would love to see people just kind of, you know, really have the fans involved and make them vote. And maybe it's worth, I don't know, half of a vote or whatever it is, you know, just make them more implicated in the game and make it grow all well, of you, us together well. instead of just splitting out. Because they're splitting the players and the ownership, and it's, we're all in this together. I mean, the game is nowhere without the players. The game is nowhere without the fans. And there's no – and then you need the owners. You know, and you need all three – need a trifecta to make it work the right way and how yeah. what's the best way you need to have a guy in the middle of all that or in charge of all that that really makes decisions for the greater good of the game not for the wallet and that, you know of course it's everybody loves it's like perfect world and everything else but that'd be kind of cool to see though but he's made some he's made some yeah adjustments. actually you know what i thought it was like you asked me the question right off the bat what i think of him i said you know i never think you know he was gonna i think he's doing a good job i just don't think he's gonna be like you know a historical but, figure of, 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 of the commissioner list but. because he's doing what he's actually his mandate is to make sure that the yeah. owner, owner are happy so it's like it's you know he's done a good job i don't think he's done a bad job I'd, i would love to see that change where you make everybody involved in the process a little bit more and i think they're 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 gearing that there's going to be a little bit of a shift that way i think they're you know the rule change get the players involved ask the players ask them what they would do like the first why are the base bigger is there and anybody asks this and that then i think that would be I think the players would feel a lot more – there'll be a lot less friction between the owners and the, and the players if there would be a more interaction, more involvement together, and it would be a lot easier to bargain instead of just taking stuff from each other. That's my take. <laughs> It's a great take, man. And on this, uh, on, this, uh, on this editorial from Eric Gagne, we say – Game over. Exactly. <laughs> Have a good one. Have a good one, folks. Let's talk to you. We'll talk soon. Game over.